You are listening to Just Another Podcast. Contact us directly at Just Another Podcast Live at gmail.com. Welcome to another episode of Just Another Podcast. I'm your boy Will. I'm your boy Daryl. Y'all, let's start off by talking about how Daryl uh, sent a hex on my microphone and it took us about three hours to figure it out. No, Daryl. The, the, the real question is, why did this man unplug it and go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, but hey, bro, you know, like growing up though, like when things when things didn't work, you like for some odd reason, I would love to know where this started, but for some odd reason, you would take it out, like whether it was some batteries or something, and blow on it, and that was just supposed to magically fix it. Bro, you know what that remind me of what. That remind me of the old Sega games where you. <laughs> I'm talking about you got to shake it up too, bro. Blowing it real hard, but so that 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 actually leads the way to the topic that you know I would love to discuss, and I find it so fascinating. You know, black people are some of the most fascinating people on this planet, but isn't it crazy how like there are just certain sayings that every like almost every black person knows or like certain things that happened when you were younger that everybody reflects back to like where what are the origins of that like how did that happen bro that's a that's a good question man i seen i seen a game you know those games where it's like just letters and you got to try mm-hmm. to guess what yeah. the sentence is so i seen one on instagram random letters um but it was like when you ask your mama something crazy uh-huh. And people had to guess it was like, do I look like Boo Boo the Food to you? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what in the world? These games. But everybody crazy. knows what it means, though. Right, right. So what, what, let's see. What are some phrases that you can think of uh, that you, you hear a lot of a lot of Black people say? All right. You're going to either be in the house or out the house, but you ain't about to be in both. Let my good air out. Bro, that's a good one, bro. I know... I don't know what it is. And I don't know, I don't even know if there's been, I guess it makes sense that if you leave the door open, that your light bill might go up, but they had like it go up. No, there's no science dollars. Oh my God. Oh, I thought my I thought my headphones uh went out again. If you're listening and you want to give to a young black man <laughs> and me, <laughs> we are currently seeking sponsors. My man, my man is barely, barely functioning today, y'all. If y'all only knew, I had to wait 30 minutes today <laughs> for my man to get his stuff together. It ain't been 30 minutes, it's been 25 at most. So let me see. Let me think of something. My I know, I know growing up, I always looked like what I wanted. Mm. So you can I get some McDonald's? You look like McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You look like a you look like a Walmart. It, it don't no, matter. I remember, what, I remember one time. I remember one time I asked my mama uh, for us to go to McDonald's. She was like, "For what? You got bread and chicken in the fridge. You can go home and make you a sandwich." Bro, I ain't gonna lie. I ain't even gonna hold you. <laughs> bread, rice, bro. People, that's all. Kids don't be gonna need that though, bro. Mm. Good times. Good times. So do you think you're going to be that same kind of parent? That's a good question. And it's it's funny, too, because I've actually thought about that a lot lately. And, you know, like, 
again, like we've been blessed enough to be in a position that, um, you know, our parents weren't blessed to be in, but I often like really ponder over that. Like, you know, what type of parent am I going to be? Like if my son is like, daddy, I need $80 to buy, you know, the, the new pair of J well, Jay's expensive. So it's probably going to be like $150. Like, do I give it to him or do I like make him work for it? Or do I like try to teach him a lesson about it? I don't know. Like, these are all different questions that like I really often ponder about. Yeah, bro. I think, I don't know. I think when you, when you get stressed out, sometimes stuff that you'd never expect, it just jumps out of you, man. Mm-hmm. Whether, whether, whether you plan to be, cause some stuff is just in you. I mean, I noticed, and I don't know if this is more so for like the African culture, but mm-hmm. I like, for like you and you well, know, so my you gotta be careful. You gotta be careful now. Africa's a country, not a country. So no, you no, specif- this, no, I don't. You got specify countries. This, yes, this you the, do. This the whole bad boy. This is this the whole continent. When, so you got in everybody, huh? Yes. This, Morocco this, on there. This particular Mor- this particular statement applies to everybody. Like so, everybody. So even every, even, even even Singapore, huh? Egypt. <laughs> Everybody. So, including Indonesia, bro. Uh, Indonesia. See, that's not exactly. I, <laughs> I caught you. In, Indonesia ain't even. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I caught you. I was, I, listen, I was ready for you. Keep going. I'm glad you caught us, son. Well, you know, I'm gonna talk about you. <laughs> no, no. But this, this applied. I think this applied to all. It didn't even just African cultures, but like when you when you get around your family. Like your your doc, like your accent changes, like the word choice you use, like mm-hmm. even my fiance when she's around her family, or even her Nigerian friends, just the stuff she say she would have never said if it was just me and her talking. Mm. So it's kind of interesting. I feel like when you get to that parent mode, it's gonna jump out and surprise you. No, you know one thing that I am interested in though, like you know how like your parents say like will tell you certain things like mm, you think you think you invented that like he's like you think you uh you don't want that created it. like i invented that like i think it's gonna be so surreal when like ashton does something that i used to do as a kid and like i'm like and like it's really about to hit me right like one thing specifically like when i was younger and i really want, wanted something like i would throw on the little uh pouty like puppy uh dog eyes the day he does that bro like that's really gonna take me for a loop Brody, I can tell you're going to be a pushover already. I'm going to try not to, man. Bro, so thinking of one of the phrases that used to always get me, what is it with, because I said so. (laughs) I I don't think 99% of black children have ever got a reasonable explanation for half the things their parents thought. But, But you know what, though? It was... Because I said so, it was essentially a black parents uh, get out of jail free card when they don't know something. Or I'll give you one better. You ever went home and asked your uh, like your mom or your dad uh, to like help you with homework, and they don't have no idea like like what the answer is. Like all right, so like say you go home and like and you're like mom, I need help with my algebra homework. Your parents will repeat repeat the question back to you, but systematically get louder. And because they're systematically getting louder for some odd reason, they think that means to you that you should re- you should figure out what the answer is. If Jimmy got two apples, 
<laughs> and he gives one to Sarah. How many apples does he got left? They get a wrong answer. Son, if Jimmy, <laughs> like, and it's crazy because you like saying it slow, mm-hmm. staring at me. I think we be making our kids nervous sometimes, low key. No, you have to be because like you're, like, it's not only like, because it's one, you don't want to show your ignorance, but two, like you think like intimidating them and yelling at them makes them work harder or it makes them like learn more. Right. And I think, and I know, and I know this ain't direct or definitely not their intentions, but I think when you, when you grow up like that, you mm-hmm. often hesitate to challenge things in society that may mm-hmm. not fit. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Cause you like, well, that's just the way it is. Exactly. Like that's the adult version of like because I said so. Like Mm -hmm. it is the way it is. And so but you know what you know what is interesting though? And and you know, some people might not necessarily agree with this point, but when you look at different cultures, specifically white and black kids, like there's definitely a shift in like how we I don't want to say how we respect authority, but how we view authority, right? Like, and a prime example, I remember it was this uh, comedy skit that I saw um, a couple years back. And it was like this uh, black guy invited this, um, his white friend over to his house to, um, you know, to play uh, video games after school. And so while they're in his room playing video games, his mom come in and was like, Jimmy, now I done told you to clean up this room. You gonna have one more time not to clean it up. And like, as soon as she walked out, like his white friends t- uh, turns to him and was like, what? She can't talk to you like that. This is your space. She has to respect your authority. And like he turned to him and was like, "Boy, you about to get me killed." And he and like he went on this whole rant, like uh, started sounding like a slave. Like you know, she, she uh, my mama's good to me. She feeds me. She cleans. And it was like, although it was funny, but like it had some truth to it, right? And so like even in society, like you see that whether it's a job, whether it's school like people from different ethnic backgrounds and again not just silo to black people but people from different ethnic backgrounds are more so to show respect to authority because for a lot of us growing up it was like you only supposed to speak um you you only speak when spoken to whereas for a lot of our white counterparts it was like their parents gave them that freedom that you know share your opinion if you don't if you don't agree with something tell us you don't agree with something if you disagree with something tell us you disagree with something so i don't know that's a, it's it's an interesting concept that you know i often think about it. and ashley and i go back and forth about you know how we're going to raise ash and like you know what traits are we going to take from what we learn from our parents but what um generational curses are we going to break and so i think that's a very fine-tuned line because it's like yeah like i want my son to be a free thinker and i want him to have his own opinion but i also don't want him to think that it's cool to talk to me uh all types of crazy Yeah, I think that's important. Um, and it's, it's crazy because I think one of the things that as an adult, you start to realize everything that has ever happened to you mm-hmm. affects your adulthood. Mm-hmm. Like everything you've been through as a child that you, you never thought would probably, you know, like stuff. And it's crazy because as an adult, I can think of like my friends are starting to have children and we mm-hmm. laugh and we joke and we were like, they not gonna remember that, right? Mm-hmm. Or you assume that the child, but no, I feel like <laughs> as an adult, every little, even just like those those tough moments, right? Where you're mm-hmm. like, 
because I said so, or like, what don't you understand about the word no, right? So you know what that just made me think about? What's that? All right, so I gotta tell you the story. All right, y'all. So a couple months back, um, Ashley and I had like, decided that we we're gonna, uh, you know, go uh, fall shopping or whatever. And while we're out, I get a text from uh, Daryl's fiance, Tommy. And told me basically, you know, she was like, you know, um, I'm planning the surprise uh, party for Daryl. And I would, I know it's like super last minute, but I would love it if you all came down. So I'm like, of course, you know, we're there. So end up deciding to surprise Daryl. And so while we're at the birthday party, one of Daryl's uh, childhood friends uh, brought his, um, his lady and his kids. And one of the kids was a baby and the other one was like, what, two or three? And like this little kid was so fascinated by this balloon and Daryl being the person Daryl is was like, just like not taunting the kid, but like just kept messing with him. And I feel like when he grows up, he's going to remember that. Cause it, like, those are the exact moments. He's going to be like, mm, yep. I remember when I was about two, three years old and I was at your birthday party and you was over here taunting me for no reason. First off, so that wasn't even my friend. That was my little cousin. <laughs> and well, I that guess was, that yeah, was, I, I'm terrible. That was your little cousin. So I think he just seen one too many balloons pop. You're not gonna make me look bad in this podcast, <laughs> but y'all, if y'all, he he was so energetic, man. But like to this day, I don't think he liked balloons no more. <laughs> like just the sight. If you just, it don't even be like you could be across the room, call his name, and and he just look at you like. Like he traumatized y'all, so I think I hope I hope he can sleep that hey, one you off. You caused that. How do you feel? How do you feel? No, that had nothing to do with me, man. I, I had oh. my mom was the one that told me that he oh. had this fear of balloons, and it, hey, it he was over there talking to him, bro. It ain't funny. It ain't. Funny. I was just saying <laughs> if he still had it. But but my my point was that I was trying to make before is that sometimes when you get caught in a lot of those situations where no one explains anything you later in life find it hard to express how you feel, mm. right? Because mm. you spend, if you think about, we're, we're, we're like 28, 29, we spent the majority of our life as a child so far, right? And so if, you, if you're in an environment where you can't openly express how you feel, and then all of a sudden you're given this adulthood and mm. everyone is expecting you, especially as a man, like expecting mm-hmm. you to express how you feel, sometimes it could be hard. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And so mm. not to say because you told your child to shut up or because you told your child don't, it's cause it's cause I said so. I'm not saying that that's the reason mm-hmm. that people have hard times communicating as adults, but I feel like every little piece counts, you know? Mm. Now that's true. So I have a topic that I want to bring up. It's a little bit touchy, so I don't know how you're going to take this, but I think it's an interesting topic to talk about because, um, and for viewers at home, I would love to get your input on this because this is something that's really deep on my heart. And, you know, I just want to make sure that I'm just not a terrible human being. All right, Daryl, you ready for this? Nope. <laughs> All right. So uh, Daryl and I are both engaged uh, to be married um, and, you know, planning weddings are a very tricky situation, right? Because you have a lot of people in your in your life that feel, some feel like you're, you're indebted to them or some 
would be outrageously offended if you didn't invite them to your wedding. And, you know, COVID, um, you know, kind of served um, as a reason, one, not to uh, do big weddings, but two, to have smaller, more intimate weddings. And so today, my fiance and I, we were going through um, our wedding list and it was just certain people. I'm like, you know, I, I like, I just don't feel bad not inviting them to, um, to, to our wedding. But these are also people that I know that if they didn't get that invite, they would be appalled. Like they would feel like I just gave them the ultimate form of disrespect. So I would love to hear your view on that, Daryl. Like, how do you feel about that when it comes to wedding guests and invite certain people to your wedding? So first of all, you trying to get rid of all our podcast <laughs> listeners. <laughs> listen, listen, if, if you listening to this podcast and you know me and you didn't get an invitation, it's cause of COVID. That's it. <laughs> No, listen. I we gotta to be real, Daryl. Answer the question. No, no. Look, but I think I think it's crazy because the whole concept of weddings is ridiculous, right? Mm. So mm. just so for you, just to give a little background. So I am a wedding photographer and a wedding videographer. So I am a part of the problem. Okay, Let, let's start there. I I'm understand. I fundamentally understand why it costs so much right so i'm not i'm not in disagreement with the price tag of a wedding i'm just not understanding why people are willing to pay it mm-hmm. right because you you think you, you're you're celebrating love you're celebrating your future marriage but you're literally paying people to honor something that you're doing right um and so i know the culture of marriage in america is not going to change anytime soon but I think it would be interesting, like, especially like one of the biggest costs in weddings is food, right? And so it's so intriguing that guests don't pay for their own food, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like why why feed you to come to my wedding when you could just pay for your own way and save us thousands of dollars? Like little things so what, like that. What I do think you say to people that say, you know, that's tacky. Bro. I don't know. I don't know. First of all, it depends on where you are in life, right? Mm, mm. Um, Because at the same time, you you are inviting these people, right? Mm. But also at the same time, like you kind of mentioned, if you don't invite these people, they're they're just crumbled, right? Their hearts are broken. Um, But I think think it might be tacky, maybe. But I think it's I think it's worth it. I think the investment, I think you should definitely, if you're really celebrating a marriage, I think as a friend, as a family member, as a supporter, your goal should be to sow into the marriage, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you, when you come to a wedding empty handed, you're walking in and you're taking from their marriage already, Mm -hmm. right? So that, that hundred dollar plate that they have for you, you didn't even like it. You barely ate it. You didn't bring a gift right now. You just took took from what they could have had, right? Um, and so I'm definitely a proponent, man, of like, definitely, if you're going to somebody's wedding, make sure you get them something, man. Get them a gift, send them some money. Every married couple is looking to buy a house, looking to upgrade furniture. Um, so don't be tacky. If you're going to come, definitely let your presence be a blessing to them. 
And I think that's real too. And I think also one other piece that I would add to that is, you know, referring back to a statement I made earlier, like if you don't get an invite to somebody's wedding, like there's probably a good reason why that is, right? Whether, you know, they felt like you all might've drifted away or like, you know, it was a financial decision or, you know, a litany of other reasons. So you should not take that personal. Cause I know, you know, we've had these conversations. I've had this conversation with several other friends and, you know, like there are certain people that till this day don't speak to them because they didn't get an invite to their wedding. You don't know what anybody's financial situation is. You don't know what anybody's personal situation is. So that's one of those things that one weddings are just relatively very pricey. Right. And, you know, one rule of thumb that I've always followed every wedding that I've always attended um, I always give a gift in the form of money or in the form of some gift that um, equates to the price of the plate or more, right? Because like those aren't cheap. Like the average wedding plate can range anywhere from $75 to upwards of like three, $400, right? And again, I'm saying that you need to go outside your way and buy somebody a four, uh, $400 gift, but you know, like, give them a $150 Amazon gift card or give them cash or give them a visa card or just, and again, to Daryl's point, so into their marriage and don't take away from their marriage because I've come a lot across a lot of people that truly have the ideology that me coming to your wedding is a gift. And it's like, okay, you're feeling yourself a little bit, but like, again, like if you really want to celebrate this person, uh, these people, you really want to sow into them, like do so in a way that like, you know, you would want to be um, sold into if you were in that situation. Yeah, that's real. Um, and I think an, another kind of component to that is I, I think most people who may find themselves upset don't realize are usually people who aren't married, right? Mm. So mm. you don't you don't realize kind of the cost, right? Um, and so you think 150 150 people times 150 well 100 dollars a plate times 150 people is fifteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars, right? Like I don't think that people are cutting people because of twenty and thirty dollars. We're literally talking about thousands of dollars. Um, and so COVID definitely gave couples that are planning to get married an opportunity to really evaluate the people in their lives. Right. Um, and so we have done some micro weddings. I mean, we've seen venues say, Hey, you only can have 20 people at this wedding. You only have 50 people at this wedding. And so you really kind of have to evaluate who means the most to you. Um, Mm -hmm. and who, who will, who, you know, who do you want to share that moment with? Because a lot of people and a lot of and a lot of weddings are really, I don't want to say ritualistic, but a lot of people's weddings aren't even for themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you're just doing it because it's a cultural expectation or because that's the thing to do or because it was on your checklist. And so a lot of times you end up inviting people that you may not even care for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so shout out. I think, well, I was about to say shout out to COVID. I don't want to say that. (laughs) Um, But COVID has definitely helped lower that burden for a lot of companies, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so if you got, because I mean, come on, let's be honest. Who knows 200 people that they just. Speaks on a daily. 
Right. Like you, like 200 people that you just, they gotta be there. I can't Mm -hmm. imagine this moment without you. Um, I think the majority of people can't say, and I know, I mean, coming from the South, there are a lot of people with big families. So I have seen some pretty, I've seen some weddings that look like family reunions. I'm like, you told everybody in the community to come. Like, <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. I think the small from mm-hmm. from the as a from a vendor viewpoint, mm-hmm. I feel like the smaller weddings are more impactful. Exactly. Because you you spent the time with the people you cared the most about, right? Mm-hmm. And so you didn't have to walk around to 20 tables of people where you know one person at the table, you barely know the other people. It was literally those people, your siblings, your your parents, your grandparents, your best friends. Um, and so I'm definitely a fan of smaller weddings. I think it's it's been a while. We've kind of waited later in life than a lot of our friends. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know how small we'll be able to, to do it, but I think in general, small weddings definitely are just as beautiful, just as exciting. Uh, and I think of nothing more, they're more intimate because, and, you know, one of the most recent uh, weddings that I went to uh, was, you know, our pro fight, uh, uh, one of our pro fights weddings, and it was beautiful. And I think in totality, they might have had 80 people there. And that's 80 people, including the priest, um, their grooms, um, women and um, grooms, um, bridesmaids and groomsmen. And it was, it was so, it was so cool because it was like, also like, Everybody felt like they knew everybody, right? And it wasn't like that awkward moment when you're standing in line trying to get food. No, it was like almost like a very small, like intimate reunion. It's like, oh, hey, how's it going? And it just so helped out that a lot of um, friends from uh, each of the couples all already already knew each other. And so like, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And for me, seeing that, I was like, oh, you know, this this small wedding thing can be a thing, but you know, and I think for me is I, because I come from a very large family that expects like this and I'm the first person you know within my generation to get married and so it's like this huge expectation but then it falls to the line it's like all right do I do something to um to benefit myself and my partner and my you know my new family or do I do do something grandiose to appease other people but yeah and then, and then the flip side of that is we, I definitely, I don't want nobody to walk away thinking we saying big weddings are a bad idea because no. I mean, I've been to a lot of huge weddings that were lit. And I think if you, if you are in a good place, I think there's nothing wrong with it at all. And if that's what, and also too, like, I, I do want to uh, point that out. Cause I don't want to sound like a, a total pessimist, but if that's what you want, do it. Right. Like, and then they like, if you want a thousand people at your wedding, if you want 500 people at your wedding and that's what you really want, by all means, you know, do it up, have a great time, enjoy it. But I think the point that I'm trying to push is also wanting something smaller, also wanting something more intimate. It's also equally as okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think above all, I think the marriage is, more important than the wedding anyway right exactly i i forgot what artist said uh said it but um it was along the lines of invite people to your wedding that you want to be part of your marriage right and 
I think what they were saying with that was like, don't invite people just to invite people, invite people that you, you can call on when you need advice, invite people that, you know, if you need, um, if you just need a shoulder to cry on, or you need somebody just being your corner, those are the people that you want there and not necessarily just inviting people just to invite people. So, and the last thing I'll say, if you're looking for an amazing photographer, please check out Optical Illusions. They do phenomenal work and, you know, um, their quality is by far one of the best I've seen in the industry and definitely something that, um, and also they don't charge you ridiculous prices. So they charge you, you know, what they believe to be uh, worth and respectful price. And for the quality of work they do, it's, it's simply phenomenal. Yeah, man. Um, and we, we, we've been adjusting too. Right. So if you trying to keep, if you, if you listening to this and you like, you know what, let me go ahead and get married. Cause I'm trying to keep it small. We've done, we do zooms now. Uh, shout out to Will y'all. And I, I might even, I don't know. I ain't gonna do that. But Will gave a speech y'all tuxedo and everything from zoom for a wedding I did. And so you can you can get really creative um i think just because you keep it small um, doesn't mean you necessarily have to keep it closed we've had i've seen people live stream on facebook um like so for example just the way we're we're on zoom now i could easily go on facebook live same thing with a wedding and so you don't have to keep people away um but you can i think in COVID, especially with just the need to socially distance it's a great time to save money when you can. So, mm-hmm. but definitely check us out, www.opticalillusions.com. We love to catch your best moments in the perfect way. Um, so let's talk, since we're talking about brand and I got on the Optical Illusions hoodie, what okay. kind of hoodie do you got on today? I have on the Supporting Black Colleges hoodie. And um, for me, this is, this, this is, this hoodie is impactful for me not just because of you know warmth and it's a, a nice hoodie uh as you know Dale and I have mentioned uh multiple times we both attended uh uh historically black colleges and universities and for those of you who aren't familiar those were institutions that were created prior to 1964 um um to educate uh children and descendants of slaves because uh, previous to that, we weren't allowed into the predominantly white institutions. And so for me, wearing something like this and going from a place like the North Carolina Central University to uh, the University of Pennsylvania just shows how far we've come and how, you know, despite um, how others might try to downplay our institutions and others might try to say that, you know, we're not worthy. You know, the vice president of the United States of America happens to be an alum of an HBCU, uh, Stacey Abrams, who has been a juggernaut in this um, this last political cycle. She's a, a graduate of Spelman University. And, you know, I can just go down the line of so many great HBCU uh, greats. Uh, matter of fact, shout out to um, Ryan Smith, who will be playing in the Super Bowl um, in two weeks. Um, he's a graduate of North Carolina Central University. So that's, you, that's by the time this airs, that's actually going to be today. So mm. good luck today in the Super Bowl. We root for you. 
Definitely. And I think there was an, um, Nick, I forget what his last name is, but he's also a graduate of North Carolina Central and he'll be playing in that game as well. And um, there are actually a couple other alums, both from Kansas City and um, the Buccaneers as well. There are other um, alums from other HBCUs. Definitely. And it's funny because we actually got into some heated discussions um, on our last recording of our uh, In the Bonus podcast about basketball and HBCUs. And um, we know there's definitely been a trend of players considering like five-star recruits for sitting, mm-hmm. considering HBCUs. And so it's, it's an interesting dynamic. I think a lot of it was born out of social injustice and mm. George Floyd and kind of mm-hmm. a lot of those topics we've talk, talked about. But I think it will be definitely exciting to see a lot of our talented athletes start to matriculate through um, through this through HBCUs, just so that the money that they accrue can be poured mm-hmm. back into the black community. Hmm. So that's an interesting perspective. And so, what do you say to those who say, "Well, you know, if I want to go to the league, I know Coach K is is pushing out um, first round." Um, first rounders every single year. So why would I go to uh, a Howard or NC Central opposed to going to a Duke if I'm a five-star recruit? Right, right. And so I think for a recruit that feels that way, no no disrespect, but you're not that good, right? Because I feel like if you really at the top of your game, Mm -hmm. you know it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Right, you might prefer to go to Carolina or Duke or Kentucky, but Zion Williamson didn't not go to Central because he didn't think he would make it to the league. Mm-hmm. Like, let's not joke mm-hmm. around and say, like, for the top of the top, right? I'm talking top 25 players. It didn't, it wouldn't matter where they went to school. Um, Le- like, that's like saying LeBron James went to Central and he didn't make it. Come on, like if LeBron James went to Central, he'd still be LeBron James. He'll still be LeBron James. And so for the athletes, I want them, I I really want our black athletes to realize that they bring the value to the schools, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so Coach K wouldn't be Coach K without those kids coming and playing. And so um, I definitely think it takes more than one or Mm -hmm. two, right? Mm -hmm. So I think if it's going to be done, it needs to be a collective effort. So mm-hmm. getting four or five guys to go to the same school mm-hmm. and dominate the tournament, I think is necessary rather than just one person trying to go to Howard or one person trying to go um, to Central. Um, I do think that makes it challenging, but I think if the right group of guys could come, they could change history for sure. Mm. And I think that's a valid point, too, because like just uh, sports aside, I remember, you know, I have a lot of people that questioned my decision to go to an HBCU, right? Because there were all these negative notions about, oh, it's it's not an adequate education or it's a second class education. And it's interesting because I haven't realized that, you know, once I got to Penn in a lot of circles I was in, a lot of conversations I was in, when I informed people that, you know, I went to, I attended North Carolina Central, they essentially brushed me off. But then when I mentioned that, oh, by the way, I'm also a doctoral student at the University of Pennsylvania, all of a sudden, like I gained some level of importance. And so to that question, Daryl, you know, one thing that we both share 
is that not only did we attend an HBCU, but we also attended uh, top um, institutions within our respective fields and just um, top institutions regardless. And so what do you say to that notion when people say that, you know, an HBCU education is lesser than that of what you would receive at a large PWI? Yeah, so I think it's an interesting debate. Um, I think it's definitely, when, we, when you look at the kind of impact, I think it has a lot to do with the caliber of the person, mm. right? Mm. Um, and so if you if you take someone, for example, the fact that we have succeeded at the schools that we succeeded at, it shows that no matter where we went, mm -hmm. we would make a positive impact, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so the notion that even for an athlete or a scholar that going to an HBCU would limit your success is ridiculous, mm -hmm. right? And so whatever you put into it is what you're gonna get out wherever you go, right? Mm -hmm. You reap, you sow, um, that's just life. And so I think I've seen, we had, we had a pro fight leave central to go get his MD PhD at Harvard and MIT. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm sure there were, we also have a really close fraternity brother that attended Duke for undergrad and, you know, uh, for, for go going to Harvard or Duke or any of those big name schools for law school decided to attend, you know, Howard university school of law, where, you know, the first black justice graduated, uh, justice, uh, Thurgood Marshall. And not only did this man graduate at the top of his class, he was the first student in 60 years to graduate summa cum laude. And now he's working at one of the largest law firms in the country. And, you know, um, on my, other po podcasts, you know, Voices of Black Folk, I had a bunch of attorneys on and one commonality were, one, they were all black attorneys and every one of them with the exception of one, I believe, attended an HBCU. And one of the questions that I asked them, um, you know, was, you know, what made what made you all decide to, make, um, to attend an HBCU law school opposed to uh, one of the top schools like a Penn or Harvard or Stanford and so on and so forth. And I think one of the most impactful answers that I got was, you know, I wanted to go somewhere where I was celebrated, not tolerated. Right. And I think that really hit hard. And I'm gonna say that one more time. I want to go somewhere where I'm celebrated and not tolerated. And I think that's so impactful because for so many of us, post-secondary education is where we figure out who we are. Right whether that's undergrad, whether that's grad school, but during those years, that's who you define who you are as a person. That's where you define, you know, what it is that you want to do with your life. That's when you find your passion. And, you know, and again, not saying anything bad about any of the larger um, predominantly white institutions, but I know for me, I would not be the person I am today. I would not be the student I am today. I would not be the scholar I am today at the University of Pennsylvania, if it was not for the tutelage that I received at North Carolina Central. And I can honestly and truthfully say that because not only by not only through the academics, but the support I received from that institution truly propelled me to go on to intern in the White House, go on to, um, to pursue my doctor at one of the top institutions, go on to, you know, speak on national platforms and enable me with the confidence to, you know, 
live out my truth and be who I am today. And so I really want to push that point. So for any students that may be listening to this that are making that decision, um, I know uh, we're around like, you know, um, the time when students are starting to commit to different schools, really take a second look at these institutions, because not only have they created some truly magnificent and, you know, uh, impactful individuals, there's something about being on a campus, there's something about an HBCU homecoming, there's something about being at the Greek Bowl, there's something about attending the step show, there's something about attending the probate or football game at the HBCU that truly I cannot explain, you just have to experience. Right. And so I think that brings up an interesting dynamic, right? Um, because I think the world was kind of really exposed to HBCUs when it came from a different world, like the mm-hmm. Cosby spinoff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, I think kind of what you talked about, the experience, mm-hmm. I think for some people is the thing that makes them go wrong. Mm. And so let me let me explain it. Let me try to dig deeper. So I think like any institution you go into, mm-hmm. you need to have a goal. Okay. Right? Um, and so if the experience is the only thing you're looking for, mm-hmm. it will be the only thing you get. Mm. Right. Um, and so know what you're looking for. So like this is like every HBCU has that culture, that passion, that, you know, that love for black people, you can get that anywhere. But I think if you want to be a nurse, you have to go to an HBCU with a nursing program, right? Mm -hmm. If you want to go to law school, maybe, maybe look at the HBCUs that have law schools. Um, And depending on whatever field you're in, right? Um, And so, the, the great thing about it is, is there's a lot of HBCUs. I know in North Carolina, there's, I think, eight. Um, there's Shaw, St. Aug, Central, Winston-Salem, uh, A&T, A&T Fayetteville State. State, Livingstone, mm-hmm. um, Johnson C. Smith. Johnson C. Smith. So there's options. But what I'm trying to tell you is you can get the experience, but make sure that you map out your educational goals as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what any school you go to, right? Um, and so making sure, and if you do that, I think that's the missing piece mm. for a lot of people. Cause a lot of people will pick an HBCU and they get there and not have a plan for themselves academically. Mm. And those are the students who struggle. You know, but the students who come in with a plan, this is what I want. We can, we go, we leave HBCUs and we go to Yale's and Harvard's and Penn's and Carolinas and Duke's because we had a plan, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think kind of like the commercialization of HBCUs did a great job with exposure, but I think people take that as you don't have to work as hard, Mm. right? Um, and so just making sure you find that balance of like me and Will talked about in past, past podcasts, we love central, but we work hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with that balance, with support, that community of people that look like you and being willing to work hard, I think the sky is definitely the limit. Definitely.
And so today, and I know you guys don't hear this until probably, I think, either the 6th or the 7th of February, um, but today is actually the anniversary of Kobe Bryant mm. passing away. Um, mm. Yeah. And so I think it's interesting because he kind of he kind of had this statement, I I'd rather die enormous than live dormant, right? Mm-hmm. And so just that concept of giving life everything you got while you can, I think is mm-hmm. really important. And so a lot of people think they have all the time in the world, mm-hmm. right? And so this is like, it's like we're playing a sport with a shot clock that you can't see. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You running up and down, you shooting some days, you winning, some days you on defense, you barely making it, but you never know when that clock is going to hit zero. Mm. Um, and so you got to definitely play every moment like it's, like it's your last, you know? Um, and I think that's very important for our generation is, mm-hmm. is just knowing, you know, you don't know how much time you got. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just pushing is, is very big. Um, and I know you were a big Kobe Bryant fan. Um, so kind of what do you think? Because I know going into the Super Bowl, Super Bowls today, by the time you guys hear this, I think there's something something to say about people who are great long term, right? So Tom Brady's going back to the Super Bowl. Surprise. Who would have guessed it? <laughs> Uh, LeBron James just dropped 47. Um, so what do you think it is about these people who are able to achieve over such a long period of time? Honestly, I think it's dedication. And at the end of the day, it's like, not even just that, but how bad do you want it, right? Like, and especially when it comes to sports, I will say that they're just some people that just have God-given talent, Right. Like LeBron James is what in his 18th season and the way he's playing makes no sense. Tom Brady is what, 40, 42? And he left a team and literally that team is, I don't even know what the Patriots record was this year, but the Bucs are going to the Super Bowl. When's the last time the um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers went to the Super Bowl, right? Right. Or you take somebody like Patrick Mahomes, when's the last time the Chiefs were this good? Or prior to um, Steph Curry, Golden State was just one of those teams that it's like, oh, well, just just another one of, one of those teams with no real stars, right? And so I think it's it, it goes to, it, it's that determination. Like, what are you willing to give up and what are you willing to sacrifice in order to be great? And I remember um, a while back, um, I watched this Kobe clip. I mean, it wasn't a Kobe clip. It was um, all the Smoke podcast and they had um, Iverson on there. And, you know, they were asking Iverson about, you know, any memorable like Kobe Bryant moments. And Iverson told the story about, you know, one year they were playing out I don't know. They, they were playing against one another, the 76ers that went to go um, play in LA. And, you know, after the game, I, um, Kobe asked Iverson, like, yo, what are you about to go do? He was like, I'm about to go, I'm about to go hit the club. And, and Iverson turned back to him and was like, you know, what you about to go do? He was like, I'm going to the gym. After they had just beat Iverson and the 76ers, Kobe said, I'm going back to the gym. Whereas Iverson said, you know, I'm about to go to the club and live it up. And does that say anything about Iverson's character? 
I don't necessarily think so. He's by far one of the greatest players to ever play the game, but it just showed you like the different level, the different caliber that certain people are on, right? And I remember, you know, during the um, the last dance, the six-part series about um, Michael Jordan and the Bulls, like just the way people regarded him, like just how hard he went in practice. They say he played in practice like he was playing in the real game, right? And I think, you know, that like it's situations like that that brings on that mantra that you practice how you play because if you practice like some boo-boo, you're probably going to play the same. But because he brought it every single day and it's like that crazy level like it's almost like that insane level of mentality that how bad do you really want something and what are you willing to do to make that thing become a reality and i think you know again outside of just sports and outside of just athletes you know it works for a lot of us like one of the things that i'm working on right now um is you know finishing up my program yesterday i paid uh $4656 and i said this is the this is the last payment I'm ever sending to the University of Pennsylvania towards his degree. And as a result of that, for the past four and a half months, I wake up every single morning at five o'clock. Some mornings, I mean, some days I don't go to bed till like uh, one or two in the morning, right? But I wake up every single day at five o'clock because I have that determination that I need to finish this degree. I need to, I need to finish this degree today. And so, and even some days, like I might write two paragraphs, whereas some days I might write five pages, right? But for me, it's almost, it almost goes back to that Kobe mentality, that Mamba mentality that, you know, if you want something bad enough, what are you willing to do to make that thing become your reality? Yeah, that's real. I think, I think realizing just the level of dedication necessary and combining that with the urgency mm. of we, you may not have time. Cause I think that's the piece a lot of people miss. Right. Mm -hmm. So when you think about, and I'm a, I'm a, I'll give an example, like losing weight. Right. I have no urgency. Right. And so it's like one day I'm about to get right. I, how many times I didn't call you, Will? Like, yo, <laughs> this this it, bro. Monday, <laughs> I'm going to go to Golden Corral, man. Monday, right? And so how do you take the urgency? Because there's a lot of things that we do urgently that don't matter, right? Mm -hmm. And so you mm -hmm. got to ask yourself, how can we transition that level of urgency to things in our lives that make the biggest impact? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I know so many people who want to start businesses, right? Mm -hmm. And they say, you know, give me about two or three years. I'm gonna mm -hmm. start that business. You know, once I pay these student loans off, I'm gonna buy a house. Once these mm -hmm. kids get out of the house, I'm gonna write that book. And mm -hmm. You don't, number one, you don't know how long you have. Number mm -hmm. two, the delaying it can all, if you delay something too long, like I think mm -hmm. there's a quote that says, um, the lifetime of an opportunity only lasts during the lifetime. I don't know the quote. Well, let me see. Um, like you have to take advantage of a, opportunity of, of a lifetime during the lifetime of that opportunity. Mm. Right. Mm. And mm -hmm. so 
you can literally counsel out blessings from inability to move. Mm. Right. And so for me and, and for both of us, I think there's a lot of things we wanted to do that may not have been perfect, but we moved anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I'm just getting out of pharmacy school, starting a new career. Is this the most ideal time to start a company? Probably right? not. Probably not. But how about we do it anyway? Exactly. Right? You know, like we're we're transitioning in life and is this the best opportunity probably to, to start a podcast? Probably not. We did it anyway. And you don't want to say, mm-hmm. I'll wait till I'm retired or mm-hmm. I'll wait till, because you know, life changes, mm-hmm. right? And you're, you're planning your life around times that you will always be uncertain. Daryl, growing up, did you, did your mom ever use um, that clueness cleaning solution formula 409 yeah have you ever heard the story behind that never so the reason why it's called formula 409 is because it took them 409 times to perfect the formula and i remember um because um as many of you know daryl's mentioned this before i'm really big on public speaking and i used to actually um run my own uh motivational speaking company. And I remember one of the speakers that I greatly admire, he spoke about it. He was like, you know, they wanted to make this product so badly that they tried time upon time upon time. You know, most of us, after you try something two or three times, like, well, ain't gonna work, so let me just give it up. But they they wanted it so badly that they tried 400, they failed 408 times before they perfected it, right? And one of my, and you know, to that point, one of my favorite um, scriptures of the Bible is faith without works is dead. And I think that speaks volumes because as you mentioned, there's so many people that have these like big dreams about, you know, when I'm this age, I'm going to do this. Or when I'm that age, I'm going to do that. But my question is, what are you doing now to make it toward that goal? Right? What steps, what small steps are you making now to ensure that you know that goal becomes a reality and you know for me Daryl and I have we have um, a litany of different goals and aspirations that we have for ourselves one of my more uh, so uh, short-term goals is to start my own real estate um, empire right and you know and no I'm not saying like oh I'm gonna start going flipping houses one I don't have the knowledge base on it and two I just frankly don't have the time to um learn about all the different tricks and trades and tax loopholes and this then the third but one thing that I've been doing since I bought my first house is every single month every single month whether it's $500 or whether it's $100 hell some months it's $25 I have a designated account that I put money into because that account reflects the dream and aspiration for starting this right and, you know, like I've had situations where, you know, um, this past summer due to the pandemic, I got furloughed, but I still put money in there, whether it was $5, whether it was $500 every single month. I do that repeatedly because not only is that, you know, saving up towards that, but even bigger than that, it's, it's continuously telling myself that, you know, this is an ambition that you have for yourself nobody's going to make it work for you. So you have to make it happen. 
similarly, you know, like toward our educational paths, we were going to the library, we were studying like countlessly, right? Because most of the people around us, yeah, they were studying, they were doing well, but like they, I, I mean, I feel comfortable saying they just weren't going as hard as we were because for them, it was just, you know, let me, let me just graduate and then I'll figure it out. But for us, we had very specific goals in mind. And, you know, one thing I greatly admire about Daryl is he has a very entrepreneurial mind, right? And so he started multiple podcasts. He has multiple businesses. And again, these are things that he works on on a daily basis. Prior to getting on here, we made the joke out um, because my, my microphone wasn't working. I was like, you know, I was just shooting um, an episode for my other uh, podcast yesterday and it was working fine. And Daryl was like, you, you're not the only one working. I was shooting an episode for my other podcast too, right? And so even after, you know, a full day of work where most people would be exhausted, we're still getting on here and shooting these episodes we're still getting on here because we respect your time and we respect the support that you're showing us that we're going to do our part. Right. And so to that point is one of those notions that if you truly want something, how bad are you willing to do it? And I'll leave off with this last point. And I think one of the most inspirational stories I've ever heard is Tyler Perry's story. Tyler Perry was homeless at one point. Right. And so like, just, just take that into context. This man that literally owns his own studio. Let me say that one more time. This man that literally owns his own studio that sits on acres, plural, right? Used to be homeless. But he was so dedicated to his craft that he was cranking out plays, cranking out productions. And it took 20 years before he was able to, um, to get where he's at. Another individual, Oprah Winfrey, Oprah Winfrey was actually fired from her first job as a, um, as a news anchor, but look at where she is today. Steph Curry, this man was ridiculed. Oh, he's too small. He's too skinny. That shot will never work in the league. Uh, and look at where he is today. And again, these are all, you know, um, exceptional individuals, but if they were able to do it, you telling yourself that, you can't do it. You're automatically canceling yourself out because you're not willing to put forth the effort to see if you could do it. Right. And just to, and Tyler Perry. So you guys know I'm, I'm big in the media just to kind of emphasize his level of success. So not only is he a billionaire, right? What his, his, um, his studios sits on 330 acres of land, mm. right? former confederate military base um and so a place where they use their energy to oppress black people and you kind of hear them talk about this in interviews is now owned by one black man Mm. right and the reason it is that that happened it ain't luck it's because when he was homeless when he was sleeping in his car he kept moving Right. Um, And so this, I I think I don't want anyone to be discouraged by, because I know I'm going to be honest. I know sometimes it can be discouraged hearing people talk about success Mm -hmm. when they are so much further than where you may picture yourself to be. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And so I don't want to be the person who say, 
run or die, right? That That's not the mentality. The, the thing I think I want people to get out of this is keep moving, mm-hmm. right? And so whether that looks, whatever that looks like for you, whether you're jogging, you're walking, you crawling, uh, you hear the story about the man who laid beside the water and, and if he got in the water, he would be healed, but people kept jumping in front of him. Like never, never give up, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I think that's one of the, the biggest things that people, because the progress is going to come, right? Mm-hmm. There, there's no way to get progress without consistency. Yeah. And so a lot of people, like you may be listening to this podcast now and you may be, I bet you there's at least one person listening right now who says, I have a story, I have a voice, I have a perspective have that a is talent. good That is good enough to even be on a podcast. Mm-hmm. But you haven't started it. You, you haven't taken the discipline to put in the work to start it, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what it takes. You got to, you got to be consistent. You got to be disciplined, right? Um, and so if that's you and you don't know where to start, and maybe a podcast is something you've been interested in, send us an email, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just another podcast live at gmail.com. We can help you get started, right? Um, but it's, it's taking small steps. And whether it's a podcast, whether it's going back to nursing school, whatever your dreams are, if you take small steps, it's kind of like working out. I know you like to work out a lot, Will, but like, Talk about working out. People thought that that clip on Instagram was hilarious. Bro, took people out, yo. (laughs) Um, But like, I couldn't run a marathon tomorrow, no matter how bad I wanted to, right? So we kind of talk about like the desire, like what are you willing to do? But like, you can't skip the process, no matter Mm -hmm. how bad you want it. Mm -hmm. So if I wanted to run a marathon tomorrow, I can, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't be successful, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it may take me walking on the treadmill today, right? And then in another couple of weeks, maybe I can get a little jog in on the treadmill. I might mm-hmm. can't do all the moves Will was doing today. <laughs> um, but if I consistently work at it, I will see progress. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty, because I don't think there's not, there's not a lot of things you can do consistently and not see progress. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Think about when you're a little kid and you're trying to learn your letters. They got you. A, B, mm-hmm. you tracing. I don't, I don't know no little kid that didn't figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So like those reps are important. Um, and so today's episode isn't super long, but mm-hmm. I think we hope you got something out of it, right? Um, Definitely. One of the powerful things Will kind of quoted was putting yourself in a place where you can be celebrated and not tolerated. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's something that will put you in the best position to be nurtured, mm-hmm. in the best position to grow, to be around people who care about you. Um, and just remember that, you know, you don't know how much time you got on the clock. So make the most impact that you can today. Because tomorrow isn't promised. Um, and I just go ahead. I, I just want to reiterate something that Daryl um stated earlier because I think this is so um incredibly important. Um, I believe it's a Martin Luther King quote, but it goes that you know, if you can't run, walk. 
If you can't walk, crawl. But whatever you do, don't stop moving. Because whatever your dream or your aspiration is, the only person that can deny that from you is you. And again, I'm not saying that, you know, it's like do it or die, but it just go, it comes down to the simple fact, how bad do you want that for yourself? So with that, keep pushing towards your dreams, keep pushing towards your aspirations. And I promise you, it might not happen today. It might not happen to t- tomorrow, but eventually you will reach that accomplishment. That's real. That's real. A lot of, a lot of people sitting around waiting on God, but in actuality, God just might be waiting on you. Um, so with that, we're going to check out and we hope by now you guys realize that this is definitely more than just another podcast. Peace. This podcast was brought to you by optical illusions, photography, and media. Let us capture your best moments in the perfect way.